Welcome back to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Buck Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Buck, and I'm here in O'Hare International Airport. So embarrassing, Jason. I'm here with Jason Reed, uh, and we're like sitting in the departures level of O'Hare. I came outside security. Jason works near here. He's one of my patrons. And uh, first of all, Jason, how are you? I'm, I'm great. Thanks for uh, having me on. No, thanks for doing this, because I, I put out a call yesterday on Twitter, and I was like, um, hey, is anybody going to be passing through O'Hare Airport from like 6 to 7 p.m.? Because I have about an hour and a half, two-hour layover here, and I knew that I was not going to be able to do the podcast uh, at the track because I wasn't able to attend the race. And you contacted me and said, yeah, I'll, I'll come after work and check it out. So here we are. We're sitting um, with surrounded by people that are waiting for the elevator, and I don't know what they think of this, but... Um, is this awkward or what? Uh, not at all. Okay, not at all? Yeah. Sweet. So, Jason, you got to watch the entire race, I think, unlike me, um, because when my... I didn't realize... I knew my plane was going to take off um, during the race, but I thought I'd have Wi-Fi on it. So, once the plane took off, what was about to take off, I was like, wait a minute, this is a small plane, and I realized there's no Wi-Fi at all. So, I missed everything that happened with the last 150 laps. Not until I landed did I realize that Clint Boyer won. So uh, tell me, I mean, first of all, what what was the uh, your takeaway from Clint Boyer's win? I mean, did it seem like it was exciting or close at all? Uh, the race itself wasn't, you know, the best Martinsville race I've seen, but it definitely wasn't one of the worst. I'm very happy that Clint Boyer won. Um, just kind of another one for the old guys, I guess. That's true. Yeah, I didn't think about that. You're right. Um it's it's the ongoing theme. It, it keeps the old guys keep dominating these races and winning these races. Um, man, that is something. Uh, I was I was thinking because were you not a, a former Jeff Gordon fan? I was. So I was thinking that maybe you'd be like, oh, you know, Clint Boyer because of their rivalry so long ago. But it it didn't. You were actually rooting for him. Well, I wasn't. Actually, I wasn't really rooting for him or against him. Um, actually, having your favorite driver retire is kind of a plus, I guess, because. Now you're not rooting for someone or against anybody. It's more, I'm a fan of the sport. So as long as it's a good race, uh, that's, that's what I'm rooting for. Okay. So, yeah, like there's only one caution aside from the stage breaks and the competition caution. I mean, there's only four cautions total, I guess. I missed it, but Austin Dillon and Murray got into it, apparently, with, you know, 140 laps to go or something like that. I mean, for Martinsville, that's pretty weird. Um but it's still, from the parts I saw, it, it still seemed like there was some close racing. Um, was your impression that it was people are going to think that it was a good race? Uh, I think people would think it was a good race. I mean, so the interesting thing is when McMurray's caution came out, I believe Clint Boyer was 10 laps away from pitting because he didn't fill his fuel tank up all the way. Oh, that's right. So because that caution came out, it kind of helped him. And it would, you know, I guess that adds to the drama of uh, what would have happened if the caution didn't come out and Clint Boyer had to pit early. That's right. I, I had seen um, people tweeting before my flight took off that his fuel tank was like three gallons short or something like that. Right. They didn't get it all in. So it sounds like this was one day where, it, you know, just sort of everything 
fell into place for him. He was never really challenged once he got out front, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess just like the restrictor plate races are kind of equalizers, I guess it brings out the better race car drivers when it comes to the short tracks. You know, it mixes it up for sure because you had Blaney up there for a long time today. Um, And it's not like, you know, Blaney and and Boyer, they could win uh, on a mile and a half track. You know, I'm not saying that they're like an A.J. Allmendinger guy, another guy who who is doing really well today. Um, And you're only expecting him to win on a road course and suddenly he's he's popping up. Um, And it's not like a plate track where you're getting random people. But to have those guys up there, just different Mm -hmm. names shaking up a little bit you know it's not the the true x's and the kyle bushes dominating these races i think that's that's really good for nascar because it just gets so tiring at times when it's the same people every week no matter what track you know yeah and you had paul menard battling jimmy johnson for a top 12 13 spot yeah i think a lot of drivers were going really hard with each other like uh eric jones and ryan newman oh really laps uh yeah during the second half and Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin got into it. Yeah, so what what was that? Uh, I saw the interview later where Hamlin said that Harvick brake-checked him and he was it was classy, and he wishes he had done it to Harvick first. Um, that was just a, a product of hard racing, I'm assuming? Uh, just Kevin being uh, Kevin? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he seems to do that at Martinsville because in the fall race, it was when um, he, like, Ryan punched. Blaney. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. Harvick has the Harvick brought out of him when he goes to Martinsville, I guess you could say. So, Jason, like, it, this was a, a weird experience for me trying to follow the race this way today um, because typically, if I'm not at the race, I'm parked in front of the TV the entire time. Oh, lady almost tripped over my back. Her, her little girl just went running away. So it's going to be interesting. So another race right now. So this family just got off this elevator. The little girl took off running. The mom went to chase after her toward TSA security and then she went halfway and the girl kept running and and the mom came back got her stroller and then took off so the mom was already lapped down here um, and they're out of our view now but I thought the girl was going to run straight through TSA and set off some alarms anyway um, so I was saying there was an interesting interesting way to follow the race because I wasn't parked in front of the TV can you tell me how you typically um follow the race like are you in front of the tv the whole time every week or uh do, are you out and about and watching on twitter or how do you follow it yeah mostly on sundays i wake up i try to get as many errands done as i can and uh right as the race is about to start i'll put in a load of laundry and same thing kind of sit in front of a tv and watch how the race plays out and i'll have uh, a computer with uh, the scanner going and then i'll have my phone with uh, another channel going and you know, I'll have the, t- the TV with the race on, and I'll just kind of soak it all in. Maybe I'll drink a couple beers. Nice. So, yeah, so you don't, you're not really out and about with it, too, um, it sounds like. Or you don't really go do errands in the middle of it? Uh, I try to sit around for most of it. But, um, like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of the sport now. I kind of like to see everything and what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely had a huge uh, FOMO there fear of missing out for those who aren't familiar with that um it it was just it was just weird like but at the same time uh prior to losing the wi-fi like in the airport and all that stuff i felt like i could actually follow it pretty decent because there was a a tv on in the airport bar i could see that then when i'd be away from that i was streaming it on my phone for a little bit then i could go back and check twitter and on twitter you're getting all sorts of 
updates like um, you know you're getting the lap by lap stuff you're getting people tweeting radio chatter and then if anything happens on in the race at all like any incident somebody like gifs it right away or or NASCAR on Fox puts up a video right away like of any little thing that happens so it's almost like it's gotten so much easier to watch and follow now than I mean it, it seems to get easier all the time is that fair to say the interesting thing is I've taken first-time fans to a race and they used to be blown away how different it is watching it on TV versus in person and I think it's because TV sometimes fails to capture what it's like being at the race but you know they've implemented different camera angles now um, and I think it's not the same stale camera angles anymore so I think they're catching a lot more of the excitement so uh, yeah, I agree. It's it's a lot more interesting to watch it on TV uh, than it used to be before. And the, with the scanner thing, um, is it a matter of, like, do, are you listening to all the drivers now that you don't have a favorite one? Like, um, or are you picking a few? Yeah, I'll, I'll switch through the channels. Sometimes I'll have it on scan all. And for me, it's like, how do I replicate that same feeling and that same sensation of actually being at the race? So it helps that you're watching it on TV, and then it helps listening to different driver scanners to see what strategies are playing out or what they're talking about or who's mad at who and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, that's just part of it. Mm -hmm. It, Do you feel like the scanner is relatively, like, aligned with the TV broadcast? Like, the, the... it's not like something happens on TV and then you hear it five laps later, or or is, does that happen? Uh, from my experience, it's actually been pretty good. The scanner has been maybe a second or two faster than live broadcast. So faster. sometimes you'll yeah. So sometimes you'll hear oh caution and then you'll see it on TV. Wow, that's amazing. Because I remember like when I used to use the Sprint Cup mobile stuff um, on you know like the app on your phone that you had if you were a Sprint customer, and it would it would be so far behind. I, I stopped using it and. Um, another race fan, Justin Bukowski, who lives in Portland, I went over to do a podcast with him last year and watched it at his house, and his scanner was super fast compared to TV, but I didn't know if that was just an anomaly or something that happens every week, but it sounds like the technology has finally sort of caught up, at least with, like, RaceView Mobile and stuff like that, because, I mean, I'm I'm probably sounding ignorant to most of you listening, because you're like, yeah, I use RaceView Mobile all the time, but I've not used it, so it sounds like it's pretty good, though. Yeah, the website and the app, isn't always perfect but when it is working it's it's great Hmm. um so what do you think of like the season developing so far because it's been an unusual amount of long green flag runs and i guess it's probably a trend at this point um it's not just like okay because kevin harvick went out and dominated atlanta it's like okay that's a lot of long green flag runs um vegas phoenix um and you know you have fontana and martinsville like there's there's been a lot less drivers I think each race on the lead lap compared to the previous races. Is there any explanation in your mind for why there's so many green flag runs? Uh, like any any theories? I guess stage racing has played a, a part of that where they're not throwing these uh, phantom cautions anymore to help the field bunch up again. But um, I mean even looking at the Martinsville race today. I remember a couple years ago we would have Martinsville races that would start and maybe 25, 30 laps in, there's a caution, and then there's split uh, pit strategies. Mm -hmm. So then some guys will come in and they're running on fresh tires and they'll try to make it through the field and 
I guess for the first three quarters of the race, it's, you know, can some of these guys make it up? Is the caution going to come out to equalize it again or et cetera? So I think uh, that has something to do with it too. That's a great point. I mean, because when you start out a race like today with a competition caution, everybody's waiting until that. And then it's a no-brainer to wait to the end of the stage. And then you wait to the end of stage two, and it's not like you have to make a green flag pit stop. And it seemed like everybody was on the same pit strategy. Yep. That's a really great point. So back to the back to the veterans thing, because you, you brought that up earlier in the podcast. You know, you, you said you haven't found a new, a new driver yet as a Gordon fan. And I remember you telling me in the past you had um, rooted for Hendrick, some of the Hendrick cars now. And it seems like you're more open to just any any good storyline or something like that. But It's crazy you remember that. Um, no, well, I don't know. I don't know why it stuck out. But so what's... Like what's been the problem, I guess, or the holdup of saying, you know what, I really like this guy or this new driver. Um, why haven't you gone with a Blaney or an Elliott or, or something like that? Honestly, I think it's because there's so much talent out there. Um, I do like Blaney just because he's so out there with all the social media and, and the podcasts, and he's he seems like a really cool guy to be around. Um, I also do like Bubba because... Um, he, I kind of feel like he's got something to prove, and, and it's it's fun getting behind someone like that. And um, it's just hard picking one person to root for because they're all so good, and you want to root for all of them sometimes. I see. So it's not like you don't have any good options. It's that you have so many good options. You're saying. Well, yeah, and going back to what I was saying about not having somebody to root for, you just get to enjoy the product more. You get to enjoy NASCAR and what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't end up turning the TV off angry anymore because, you know, you know somebody blew a restart and my driver lost and or my driver crashed out. Any Gordon right? never blew any restarts. Oh, yeah, not <laughs> at all. Never. So, you know, there's a, there's a part of me that's like, hey, you know, it's just fun watching the race, letting things play out and not being mad anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what do you enjoy most about... NASCAR these days? I think I enjoy more of the uh, engineering aspect of it. Hmm. So uh, more so than the, the stories, uh, it, it's how do you take two cars that are almost similar and make one go faster than the other one? And it's incredible to read about all these guys, how you know, changing one part or one piece or manipulating you know, one part of the car makes it go faster than somebody else, and that's the kind of stuff that intrigues me. That's interesting. Yeah, it is It is kind of fascinating because in this era, we're constantly seeing team cars go against each other, whether it's, like, basically, you know, a Truex or a Kyle Busch, same stuff, or um, one of the Penske cars go head-to-head, or even Hendrick, and you're like, well, wait, why is Chase Elliott outshining all these guys, or why is... Um, why is Truex beating the Gibbs cars and they're basically the same stuff so there is kind of that added uh, element um, to talk about within the teams itself in addition to all the other things so that that's kind of interesting speaking of which the Haas cars this year I mean overall um, Stuart Haas Racing has now won four of the first what six races I mean that's and I know three of them were Kevin Harvick but they all seem to run pretty well every week they were all running in the top ten for much of the day. Um, would you consider them the team to beat right now, or there's somebody else out there? I think more so than just Stuart Haas, it's Ford in general. Because with about 100 laps to go, you look at the top ten, and it was maybe all Fords and two Toyotas. Wow. 
Wow. And then slowly towards the end of the race, you know, a couple of Chevys got up there. But I think Stuart Haas has just been good enough to win the races. But you got Brett Keselowski and you got Joey Logano just kind of right there knocking. Yep. That's crazy. I mean, the idea that we'd be sitting here talking about um, Ford as being the dominant manufacturer of the season so far, going into the season where we, we thought uh, they're so far behind and Chevy has a new car and Chevy's been the one that seems behind. Right. I mean, if it wasn't for Alex Bowman and Chase Elliott, again, you know, making their way up uh, towards, the, towards the end of the race, it would have been all Fords and a couple Toyotas crazy um so you know you had four cautions but you did have a exciting winner who hadn't won in a long time so i'm not really sure where people are going to land in the was it a good race poll but if you had to guess um what would your guess be for what percent of people will say yes it was a good race when i do the poll tomorrow i want to say 72 percent 72 what's your reasoning behind that i think 72% 72% because a sentimental favorite has won. Someone who hasn't won a race in a while finally broke through, so that probably has to do with it. Um, so let me ask you this. Do you think if it was like Kyle Busch that had won, um, you know, it would have been, or, or Truex even, that it would have been pretty sunk because the race just wasn't that good, essentially? Like you're, you're saying that it was the winner that is going to get a lot of the, vote, the yes votes. Right, and just watching the race, I mean, there was, you know, a lot of bumping and banging, and but there weren't too many drama storylines and different pit strategies, so mm-hmm. it was just, can Clint Boyer win? Right, right. So, yeah, that, that makes sense. Okay, so I actually think, um, just because it was Martinsville, and I think that a lot of people maybe didn't watch or, like, were at work and followed along, and they're just going to see Clint Boyer won. So they'll just say, yeah, it was. So I'm going to go 78%. What did you say, 72? 72. 72, okay. So, um, Jason, I I started off the season, uh, I think, 4-0, counting the clash, and now I've lost the last two in a row. Last week, Jim Peltz predicted that it would be uh, 41%, and the or 40%, and the answer was 41%. So he only missed about 1%. So... Um, hopefully we can come close. Hopefully I can beat you, even though you're, you've been a very good guest to come all the way all the way out here. So, um, can do you? Is it okay if people follow you on Twitter? Do you want them to follow you? What's your Twitter name? Uh, I'm actually not that active on social media. Oh, okay, so don't go follow <laughs> you on social media. Yeah, there's nothing to follow. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. So uh, if you want to tell Jason he did a good job, you can just tweet me, and I will send it along to Jason. Um, Jason, what's next for you? Are, are you going to go sit in some rush hour traffic to get back home now? Yeah, probably. Um, try to make it home, get something to eat, try to hit the gym. Sounds good. Well, I really appreciate you coming out to do this. Um, have you noticed some of the weird looks that we've been getting as people come here and wait for the elevator? I think it's because they recognize Jeff Gluck. <laughs> oh, yeah, right, right. So popular in Chicago Hair Airport, yeah. Uh, no, it's... <laughs> You know, um, most of the people that have come by, they're, like, being escorted in wheelchairs. Um, they're sort of like an older demographic coming by. And they're sitting here. For, we're, in, we're right next to the elevator, as I mentioned. And their handler is sort of pointing them towards us. And as the elevator sits here, 
these people are just staring at us like mouths open like w- what are they doing it but is definitely one of the most interesting experiences oh, I'm I sorry Terminal 5 uh, I would go upstairs and oh. try t- taking the tram oh yeah the take the tram yeah See, so, so a guy just got off the elevator here and asked us how to get to Terminal 5. That's the international airport. We're in Terminal 3, yeah. So Jason, being local here, knew to tell him to get to the tram. There is a sign there that says airport transit up. Oh, he did go upstairs, so I think he, he's he okay. He did go up. So, See, we're just helping people by saying we could set up a booth and be like the answer people. NASCAR questions we can answer and airport directions. No problem. Yes. <laughs> We've got it all covered. Anyway, Jason, thank you so much again. And uh, for the rest of you listening, thanks for your patience with me not being able to go to the race today. Um, I really wanted to go, but uh, American Airlines wanted $650 for me to change my flight. That's it? That's it, yeah. So I just decided maybe save that for another race. So um, I'll be back in Portland this week. And the next 12 questions is going to be with Christopher Bell. So stay tuned for that on Tuesday. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast.